Listener Production. Andrew McDonald started and runs a business currently valued at $50 million, and he's adamant that you don't have to spend a lot of money to make a lot of money. In fact, his first website, which he had for three years, cost just 500 bucks. It's a frugal episode 548 of the 12-year-old award-winning Small Business Big Marketing Podcast. Well, I said, welcome to a small business marketing show where successful small business owners share their souls to take your marketing straight to the lead. Now, here's your host, Mr. Timbo Reed. And welcome back to your weekly dose of Watch the Pennies and the Pounds Will Take Care of Themselves Marketing. I'm your host, Timbo Reed. You, infinitely more importantly, are a motivated business owner ready to crank out some great marketing to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire that it absolutely deserves to be. And that is exactly what we do around here. It's exactly why this podcast exists. I'm here to make the world of marketing just that little bit easier accessible, fun. So if you love the podcast, hit the subscribe button now on your favourite podcast app and you'll never miss another episode. As per usual, team, there's marketing G-O-L-D dripping from the ceiling over here at Small Business Big Marketing's HQ. So let's get stuck right in. Righto, let's meet Andrew McDonald, who's the founder of the Aussie clothing brand Ringers Western that designs, manufactures, and sells Western clothing for men, women, and children. Think fashionable cowboy clothes. That's probably the best way to position it in your mind as you listen to what Andrew has to say. Now, 10 years on, and the brand has been valued at over $50 million, employs 75 staff, has a significant online store, and 250 wholesalers around Australia. What's interesting, though, about Andrew's business journey is that he's a soldier by trade with no experience running a business, much less a fickle fashion business, until the idea came to him around a campfire in the rugged Kimberley region of Western Australia. He launched the business on a shoestring, has never gone into debt. The brand's first website, as I said at the top of the show, cost 500 bucks and kept him going for three years, and has some very interesting thoughts on employee morale, marketing, customer service, just to name a few aspects of running a business. I started off by asking Andrew where the name Ringers Western came from. So I was in the army originally beforehand and I had just um, just come off doing selection and uh, I was thinking, you know, what am I going to do now, basically? And uh, I went back to my, um, well, my ex-wife who's still uh, in the business today. We went back to her station and uh, we're sitting around the camp and I had a ripped shirt on at the time. And then we're talking... You know, just literally around a fire after a day's mustering, they're saying, you know, I wonder how hard it would be to make actual clothes that are, um, you know, just like everybody else. Like, And so from there, basically, we're talking about, and I said, look, I think we can do this. And um, that was the idea. And I said, well, we're ringers in Western Australia, so ringers Western. So that was the easiest thing. So, Andrew, what experience have you got in fashion and clothing, having been in the Army? Oh, no, I, I didn't have a lot. I mean, I always thought I kind of had an idea for what people like to wear, I guess. And, and just in general, I kind of thought that. But um, there was no certain degree per se. And uh, believe me, my first design that I drew was with a crayon and it had like arrows pointing to buttons and 
uh, a few other, you know, just with a tape measure that says, you know, this long or things like that. So, you know, I've got that framed actually in one of the other offices, but that was um, literally one of the first designs we had to make a workshop. And then, you know, from there, basically, start, you know, the idea in itself, and then you're like, well, how do you do that? So it's just a matter of doing research and understanding that space. I find it incredible. I find it so impressive that you've got no experience, but what was it in you or what was it in the idea that made you commit, I guess, all resources, your time, your energy, your money, to an idea that, again, you don't have experience in? I don't know. Maybe it's a, an unreality, I guess, but I, I think that... Um, what do you mean by that? Well, I kind of think that in my head, if I do something, if we as, you know, and other people are involved, if we do something, then I just don't think it's going to fail. Like, I don't have that part inside me ever. I'm not necessarily someone who's taking a risk per se or doing things that are too far left or right, but I kind of think, and to date, the ideas have worked. Give me another example in your life, whether it be business or, or whatever it may be, that you could reference where you've gone, listen, I like the idea I've got. I've got no experience in it, but I'm going to bloody do it. Off the cuff, I'm not necessarily going to be able to say it, but, you know, for any other job I've gone through or any meeting, like I, I generally come out on top because, I, one, I try and understand who I'm dealing with or the way that to go about it. And I think that, you know, if you build good relationships, a part of that, and you're a good person, then then you should be right. Don't get me wrong. You have to put in the effort and the energy to do that in saying it. But I do feel that if you're good in that space, then generally things work out well. That's what's happened. So I think if you maintain the goodwill in life, then things will work. Fair point. So not only have you come up with an idea that you have no experience in, the idea, and correct me if I'm wrong here, and please don't take offence, but the idea that you've come up with is going head-on competitively with one of the biggest Australian clothing brands that I know of in RM Williams. Yeah. So, So not a simple competitor to take on. So again, you've come up with this idea of Western clothing, country clothing, and, you know, you look around the competitive landscape and the biggest one is a massive brand. I I would have thought there'd be a whole lot of people going, oh, Andrew, you're mad, mate. Well, the thing is, like, R.M. Williams had sold their business to Louis Vuitton and, you know, not understanding in depth about what they were doing, but just on a a visual sense, they changed their business to kind of go more high-end and global. So in terms of just being on the ground in grassroots, it was pretty much left and their their pricing and everything kind of jumped up too high. Too high for the average Australian, I would, I would say. Totally agree with that. I went to buy a pair of their boots the other day and they were 680 bucks for the basic model. Correct. So based off that, I think, you know, they have a lot more overheads. They have a lot of things that they've probably got to do in wages for people that have had a lot more exposure and experience that demand a higher salary. Whether or not that that gives a benefit, I would probably argue that experience you can't buy, but that doesn't mean capability by any means. So, you know, you might have an amazing name as being a world-renowned photographer. So is the $20,000 difference going to guarantee a better outcome? No, it's not. I think it's just going to add on. And those things add up to a business such as that or, or ours for any matter. They obviously had done that, so we saw that space and then, 
you know, with the work shirts and, um, and your T-shirts or fundamental products that were just kind of left in a, in a market that was there. So when you came up with the idea, did you do like a competitive analysis? Did you do much sort of background work as to what it would cost to get clothes designed and manufactured and shipped and to find distribution channels beyond online? Did you did you kind of do some, you know, big 100-page, you know, PowerPoint presentation to yourself and some investors or did you just go for it? No, I didn't do any of that at all. And I still, I don't, I'm very much, <laughs> I love I'm it. very much anti that in terms of, the way you do things. Again, I think that that kind of, you're just going to spend money because you know what you're going to do anyway. So what I mean specifically by that, like I had an idea, I thought, okay, we've got it now. We had support from my family as well. So there's other people, a lot of other people involved with it now. So if we spent $20,000 or I think it was actually $35,000 initially on T-shirts and caps because work shirts is eight months down the track as the idea because you have to, there's a lot more involved with that where I can get T-shirts and hats printed and done and get them out the door and jumpers. So basically that's what I did. I put a swag in a four-wheel drive and I drove around Australia going to events and setting up a gazebo selling clothes while my mother, wife um, and uh, um, cousin were out at home just posting out orders or doing different things from there. So basically that, that was for almost the first eight months and then I got a designer who's still with us today. She's amazing. And so then we're making work shirts, etc. But the idea was we did in low cost is through our marketing on social media platforms. So really just showing the real thing, not spending any money on advertising, just using uh, Facebook and Instagram because the brand was just being built and the brand is part of the people. So they are doing your marketing for you. They're there telling your product, showing it up. What do you mean the brand is part of the people? Well, say, for instance, you're, you like the Brisbane Broncos, as an example. So you might like the sports team. So you're wearing that sport. You'll buy those jerseys and you'll wear them out and you'll be passionately talking about them wherever you go, you know. And um, so that, that builds that brand for it. And the Broncos is a much greater community than the club. Like, it's everybody. That, that loves, that follows rugby league and it, it gets people together on the weekend. Now, you know, when we're doing, when you're, you know, wearing ringers clothes, you're doing things out in the bush there, you're getting photos taken, like they'll send them in so they can get featured on the different channels, etc. as well. And, you know, when you're telling someone else a story, they're a part of it. They're, they are the brand. It's not us. It's like everybody that is it. And it's open for everybody. So you started Ringers Western four and a half years ago by getting some caps designed, some T-shirts designed, taking off in your car, going to these big rural shows, setting up a gazebo and selling them and starting maybe get a little bit of awareness around the brand. You're back at home, mum, wife, cousin are working on a bigger picture which is getting, you know, shirts and shorts and pants designed. You're now like four and a half years on looking at your website. You've got boots, you've got men's apparel, women's apparel, kids' apparel, you've got accessories, headwear. Like it's a virtual department store in such an incredibly short period of time. It's amazing. 75 staff employed here now. You know, like again, they're, they're huge overheads that come into it. But things work because we're doing the right thing, I guess. There's a company called Nutrient Ag Solutions as, a, as an example. So they're the largest agricultural company in the world. So they, they did have RM Williams as their um, main supplier for all their uniforms. We went down for the tender, so to speak, 
And I remember sitting there on the chair, just I had a laptop and um, a PowerPoint presentation I'd done up for it. And Aaron Williams had walked out and they had a whole heap of people and samples and everything. And I was like, Jesus, <laughs> wow, how do you, how do we beat them? You know, because they're amazing. They, they've always been amazing. And then another big brand from Victoria did the same thing and had everything. And I think I walked in and there's a boardroom full of, you know, really, you know, prolifically people in the agricultural industry and the PowerPoint didn't work. So I was like, great. And no one knew who, no one knew who Ringers Western was at the time. So I just said, look, guys, and we always talk about the company's good. Like you, you, there's no, ever say something bad about somebody. It doesn't benefit you ever. Like, and that's something that our, our company is really proud of. Like Aaron Williams is amazing. RV Sellers is amazing. They're all good brands. And you don't need to knock people down to do better in life. You just do better by doing the right thing. Now, walked in and said, look, these guys are amazing. And how are you going to know that we're going to do a better job than them? Well, you're not. The only way you're going to know is essentially by giving us an opportunity. Essentially, it was pretty quiet. And then the CEO at the time, or current CEO still, Rob Clayton, said, I will give you guys an opportunity to make some samples and stuff. So... We basically did that and, um, you know, put a lot of energy into, into listening to them and giving them what they wanted, not what we thought they wanted. We made what they wanted. That essentially got us the contract and, uh, you know, got that extended for another five years and that's massive. So that kind of propelled us from being a small business to a very large business, being alive for a year and a half. It's just a classic example, Andrew, of the importance of strategic partnerships in business where you sort of get that one, that win that one tender, get that one contract and it amplifies your brand out to so many, you know, and, and to have that, that company as a supporter, which is pretty interesting in itself because aside from the fact that RM Williams is very established and set up and got everything that, what was the company uh, that you tended for? Uh, oh, Nutrient. The Nutrient Needed, they've also got a very strong brand. So you're competing against something where there's probably people in that boardroom going, oh, no, no, we need to be seen in RM Williams because there's brand cachet and equity in that and yet, you know, in, in comes ringers and it sounds like where well, you've done the right thing, you're a very personable fellow, so you've clearly got the CEO on on side and he's, he's given you a shot and that was your big hockey stick moment, wasn't it, where you've kind of, you've ticked upwards. Well, essentially that's right. But I mean, for us, our main thing, even once you do anything, whether it's Nutrien or whether it's just a local fella from around the corner who's just buying one shirt, what we put into our staff is there's no difference. Our customer service and attitude towards these people has to be as though they're the most important thing. Are we always going to get it right? No, we're not. But we're going to do our best at every time to make sure that customer service is at the forefront of everything. So customer phone line 24-7 so you can talk to someone. Because, you know, when you've called up a Qantas to change your flight and you're on a telemarketing person or someone from overseas, it can be frustrating. And particularly if they don't understand the empathy of, of trying to deal with you for your problem that you have. But if someone deals with you like that, then you're going to spread goodwill about them and you're going to feel like you're listened to and you're going to come back. If, if someone's too harsh or brush or doesn't give you the appropriate attention to solve your problem, then it's not necessarily going to work. We instill that to all the staff consistently saying, like, our most important thing is building our team and making sure that we deal with everybody 100%. So does that take a bit more time? Of course it does. But you don't lose people with it. That's our main thing. If you do that, then the business will do well. 
customer service is just so imperative. Totally. It, it feels to me, just hearing you speak in the first, how long have we been going, like 15 minutes, it sounds like you're not the kind of bloke who adheres to any formal process in business. It doesn't sound to me like you've done any courses or read any books and then applied those learnings or, God forbid, listen to a podcast and then go back into the office and say, I've heard this amazing idea. It sounds to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you simply apply what would be obvious. Like if I was to, if I, if I summarise it so far, it's like be a good person and you'll have a good business. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly right. This one time, so I was at Outback Spectacular, just a, a show in the Queensland we used to sponsor we were sitting down and... Um, That's a big show, by the way. Like, for anyone who doesn't know what that is, that is a... It's a significant pantomime-type show set in an equestrian ring alongside some of the big theme parks of Australia. So you've sponsored that. That wouldn't be cheap. Go on. No, I wouldn't have. <laughs> but there was this couple sitting in front of me. I think I just took the kids there for the night. And um, there was four people and they had ringers, shirts and hats on there. And... Um, I didn't know who they were, but I just said to the waitress when I got up, I left a bit earlier, and just, I, I think I said just to put $100 of drinks on the table there. Anyway, I'd, I'd, I'd never see these people again. And then I was up in the Territory maybe two years later at this bar, at the Snow Fuel Station, fuel station at um, Litchfield National Park. And um, this girl came up to me, she was wearing a ring shirt, and I said, oh, it's a nice shirt, where'd you get that from? And she goes, oh, you, you won't remember me, but... We were sitting in front of you at Outback Spectacular. You left some drinks on our table there. And the reason why I'm bringing that up is because that's like, we're not doing it to get anything. We're doing it just because it's, that's good business to do. And someone can say, oh, how do you know that? And I can say, I only know what I feel and that's what I feel and it works. So you're right with what you said. Like I haven't read the books. I haven't listened to podcasts. I haven't done the study in those things. I think that we can complicate life so easily with all of that it's pretty simple at the end of the day if you have a hundred dollars in your hand and that you're going to start a business well you've got to be efficient with that now we still had for three years a website that only costed us five hundred dollars that i did and i had my cousin doing the other things there but people spend twenty thousand dollars on this amazing website you are now in debt with I'm saying like the universe or whatever, you're in, you're, you are in debt right away before you've started. Now, is that going to generate you more sales? It's not going to generate you more sales. Like as a small business to start, like it's so easy just to spend money. It's so easy, but, but we can't. Well, you feel as though you're doing something. Yeah. Now, or, or I'd go out and we'd set up a stall on the show. No, no, okay, that stall costs us $100 in the site fee. The fuel costs that. The drinks that I might buy after cost this. So all that comes into that day. And I think, okay, I've got to sell now $2,000 worth of clothes to be able to break even there, okay? But part of it, I'm saying, is we're doing marketing because a brand is getting out too. So we put little pop-ups and we go around from there. So marketing does come into that part. But again, just saying that we're clear every cent of the way, like how much do we spend and how much do we have come in? And that puts us in the position. Do we want to get this new printer or these new pens? No. Today, no one, no one's allowed to buy stationery unless it gets checked because people will spend, people are good at spending money. Has there, has there been a time, Andrew, where this philosophy of yours has come back and bit you on the ass? No. Ever? No. It's not really going to because 
you're in a good position. Don't get me wrong, like we take risks, like we do different ranges, but if you keep doing the right thing and managing the, your resources inside and outside, you're going to, everything will be all right. You carry debt? No, no we haven't been in debt since week two. <laughs> so if you've got dough in the bank, you reinvested into the company, if you haven't, so how do you do that? Like, I imagine when you have to go and have a range designed and manufactured, you've got to put a fair amount of dough up front Correct. versus pay on delivery. So again, how did you do that in the early days? I guess you got money in the bank four and a half years later, but how did you do that in the early days? Well, we're never in debt. So basically we, we bought the $20,000 of shirts and that came back in and then we did a reorder for the money that we had in the business. So... We never needed to pull outside resources in because of the way the business grew. And with getting tenders like we have and other corporate accounts, they've always kept us and given us a kick forward massively. Has there been a moment, Andrew, so far where you've kind of stopped and gone, geez, what are we doing? Something that's kept you up at night or...? Not really, no. <laughs> no. I think, again, I go back to it. It's, it's all pretty simple and... Again, we've got a really good team. We've got people like our CEO as well, James, is one of the owners with us. Like he's exceptional at just managing people. Like, and we've had other companies come through and they've walked through. Everyone says hello to them. You know, you don't see that in other businesses. You don't feel like you're a part of the team when you walk in there. And our guys walk in and they're like, wow, like everyone says hello. Like everyone is warming, but everyone's also accountable. You know, we have like clear things that, that manage it so you, everyone remains kind of clean. And, and what I mean by that specifically is like in a relationship, as an example, you might say, oh, this is too petty. So you might have an idea about something and your wife might have an idea about something else. Now, that builds up. And in a, in a business, you have staff, one person might have louder music and the other staff member doesn't. And then suddenly they go in the kitchen and she puts a fork in the wrong place and then she arcs up at somebody else for that. But if you go back, it's because things weren't kept clean at the start. Now, what we have each day is we, all the staff can raise anything. So today is an example. You know, somebody's left, had their coffee cups and they left them in the sink. Well, we've got a rule that you, everything's cleaned up in the kitchen. So it doesn't matter if you're the CEO or if you're the cleaner. You can hold anyone accountable for saying these are the rules that we've got. And then people in the business, when they're accountable and they can own, own it, it's like everybody is safe as well. Like, it's just safe because you know that your voice will be heard if something's up. So we, we make that at the forefront of what we do. So then problems get addressed straight away. Whether, how small they are, because that's the thing that, that does affect people, is that if they have a clean back of house, they're going to function better in general. You know, if, if you're going to go to work, Tim, and and you've had a really bad night at home, you know, with your family, it's all rough. I don't think you can operate as efficiently at work the next day than if you, everything was clean. And you see that in sports, but we see that in life. So if we can maintain that, then that, that helps our business. Hey, before we hear more of Andrew's growth tips, a quick reminder to grab a copy of my book, The Boomerang Effect. I wrote it to show you how being helpful in your marketing returns you more customers and makes you more money. And who doesn't want a bit of that, right? A big thanks to the 6,126 motivated business owners who've already bought it. And you can grab your own signed copy 
over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. Now, back to one of the more positive business owners I've chatted with of recent times. Andrew, I want to talk about marketing, but before we do that, just give us a sense of the size of Ringers Western today. Four and a half years in, you said you've got 75 staff. Can you talk turnover, big clients? What can you tell us? Yeah, um, we turn over quite a lot, I guess, and uh, we're a profitable business, probably profitable from BPO. I always try and ref- not discuss the the money per se with it. Whatever you can do to give us a sense of size. So as a company, like, you know, I think we're, you know, we'd be valued just from people that have been interested in the company at over $50 million now um, for it. Now, we have, obviously, we, we've got the Broncos or we've got other corporate accounts. So Nutrien's a very large one, but just in, in terms of itself for how we, um, how we do it, we have wholesale. We have 250 wholesales around Australia. We post all over the world. US is a very large market for us, uh, as, as is the UK, France, Germany, and you kind of see a bit of a pat. Is that a function of Australians buying Ringers Western who are overseas? Or I remember speaking to Paul Greenberg many years ago. Now, Paul is the boss of the National Online Retailers Association. And he, he said to me once, one of the biggest unmet searches on Amazon is for Australian products. People love Australia, especially out of the US and it used to be China. I don't know whether that's still the case. But what do you think that those big markets for you over there are about? Well, I guess it's probably the way that we do things a little bit differently. Like um, there's a, a really famous country music singer called Luke Combs as an example. He was going to this concert in uh, in Queensland. You know, there's maybe 30,000, 40,000 people there. I went to the hotel and just dropped off some bags of clothes for these artists that I found, like because someone told me they were staying there or whatever. Dropped off bags. Then, you know, the event was sponsored by competitors of ours. And um, now I always think, like, there's a way to do it so you're doing... Um, we're not doing anything wrong. We're doing the thing that's right. I'm just giving this guy some clothes. He can do whatever he wants. So he rocks up on stage wearing a hat. This is like we year two. And we just sweat, exploded from there. You know, that, didn't, that costed us $34.95, uh, you know, and then from there we sold, I think it was about 2,000 hats of that one particular one in, in the next two days. That, that comes from, from doing it. And then I met another singer and we went out and took them out to hold some koalas through a mate's farm and little things like that. So I kind of thought that if we build our relationships along the way, we can manage our outgoings in marketing a lot easier because... To pay an athlete that's a superstar friggin' hundreds of thousand dollars a year, I don't know you're going to get the return off that. Well, you have had a superstar athlete as your ambassador from year one in Josh Gibson, who was a fantastic AFL player from the mighty Hawthorne football team. He's a mate, so I'm guessing you got mates' rates. But what, what value does someone like that bring to a brand like yours? We started, we didn't start off, I didn't know him beforehand. So that was developed through the brand. Uh, uh, that we became it. So, and actually, it's quite funny because Josh was in. This is why we do things differently. So, Josh was with us, and then he got a really good deal from another competitor. And I said, "Mate, we're not going to be able to match that." I said, "I think that's an amazing deal. You need to take that one. It's great." And you know, about a month and a half later, I'm out with Josh. We're having beers, and I was taking photos of him and his competitor's brand that, that he can send them to use. And um, I said to him as a joke, "Make sure you tell the guys that uh, that that I took it." But you know, again. 
it's not personal because we're, we're good friends of whatever decision's made. It's not saying, oh, it's just business, so you've got to do that. That's not a good attitude to have in life. Just be a good person and roll with it because we don't want to restrict or prevent anyone doing what they want to do. Just do that. And if it's good for parties, do it. I feel like I could have done this interview in like 10 seconds. Like, what's your philosophy, Andrew? Be a good person. You run a good business. Okay, see ya. <laughs> and, and it's great. I totally, you know, it's refreshing to hear. Going back to Josh, how have you been able to quantify whatever Josh has cost you? And he might be a good guy and you might have a great relationship with him, but at the end of the day, you are here to sell the Ringers Western brand and clothing lines. What value did he bring? Look, to answer that probably as honestly as I can, I don't know that. I don't, I don't know. But I always think like, you know, he's, he's on numerous shows. He does num- numerous other things too. And he's always done the right thing. He's always presented well. He talks well. He's courteous. He does the right thing. So that's the value we get. You're aligning with someone who does the right thing. You sponsor the Broncos in some way, shape or form. You've sponsored that stage show in some way, shape or form. When you sponsor something... How do you optimise that sponsorship? Because I see a lot of businesses just hand over sponsorship checks and don't really optimise it. How do you get a return on a sponsorship of something like the Broncos? Well, they give us so we have a lot of tickets, like corporate things as well. We have players to be able to use for other things. Um, there's advertising, digital that goes around the stadium. But aside from all of that, we like sport. We thought it's cool to have a box. <laughs> so if we can do that and get a few things out of it, it's great. But insane, like there's another player, Cameron Munster, who's currently, you know, the, the best NRL player in uh, rugby league at the moment. Now, he's an ambassador for us. Um, he's also started his own business called uh, CamMunster.com, launched about three days ago. So he's with us as an ambassador for Ringers West. And, but then I said to him, like, what are you going to do after rugby? Like, what's, what have you got on? And uh, obviously, he's still in his prime. He's got a long way to go with it. And I said, look, why don't we set something up so it can develop a platform to be making money whilst you're relevant now? Because in five years' time, you may not be relevant anymore because you've retired. So if we can do that to maximise something that generates you an income, and, and he was all for it. So we've built our relationship through the brand there, but have also we helped him set up his own business. Now, he owns that business. It's his. He's making money off it now. And he can use that as a platform to, to then use other people that are relevant to do business. So people don't do that. Like, and I say people don't do that. Like, you don't often see things like that being happening. Because everyone tries to take something for themselves or to own something with it. And I think when you do the right thing like that, then it just kind of just works. I wonder whether the fact that you are associating the Ringers Western brand with a big brand like the Broncos or big ambassadors like a Josh Gibson, that it makes you look a lot bigger than you are and therefore you can kind of stand alongside the bigger brands and people will think, oh, well, Ringers Westerns are just as big. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I would say that we're doing more online sales than any of those brands though. Right. I would say that we've been doing it okay. for years more than that online. I think that's what we've done well and that's the space we're going to. We understand how to market and get the brand out better than that. And, and it's not we've been told that from other companies as well too, that they, you know, they, before that, like, they start looking at the way that we do it or the way that we go about it. But that's kind of 
what I would imagine is the case because remember that, like, you go back in the day, like, those brands were just wholesale based or in the department stores heavily. And e-com was kind of a, uh, an unknown for them. And particularly if you have people that have, and I'm not saying this disrespectfully by any means, but you have people who have been in a way a marketing manager at a big company. They may be so structured in their way that have been doing it, they don't understand what's new and current to be making money as the business. So they could that's where they could find themselves kind of flat-footed, I guess, too. It's, it's a component anyway of it. But I think, um, you know, whether it's the Broncos, like, again, like having access to sending mail outs or doing things like that, there's, there's low costs, high return in doing things like that too. So build your audience, build your team. It doesn't cost you money to do that. What is the most effective marketing that you do? Because, again, you've got 250 wholesalers. To get a wholesaler on board, they have to have brand awareness. So you've managed to tick that box. You're not spending a lot of dough. You're not running, you know, again, a brand like a Ringers Western, if I look at an RM Williams, I'd expect to see billboards or or magazines. We've got billboards. you got billboards? Yep. Here we go. Yep. So we've got billboards all over Queensland. Well, there you go. And how are they working for you? Don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Can I just challenge you on that? Because, like, I sort of get what you're doing and it's clearly working and I can't – well, I am going to question it because I just want to understand it a bit more. You've said I don't know at least twice on things that you are doing and spending a lot of dough on. You've got a wry smile on your face right now. I'm just interested because other business owners listening are going, some of them might be just going, this bloke's a bit of a joker. He's just rolling the dice. He lacks the fear gene so he can just have a crack anyway and doesn't, he doesn't really care about the result. I think it's really refreshing in your approach to business because there's on the other side, there's those ones who do the, the PowerPoint presentations and the strategy documents and the market research and paralysis by analysis. Yeah, but there's, there's only one page that anyone who's making money wants to look at. The, the profit and loss. Well, that, but if you know, on a document they present you all these things, like all the sponsorships, at the end of the day, I'm just looking at the one thing. What do you want and what do you want us to give you? Yeah. That's it. Like, so all this other stuff in there, it's all made up. Like, it's a load of shit from my perspective with it because we have 500,000 people that drive up this freeway every day. Okay, mate, great. But how many people out of that 500,000 actually look at that billboard? How many of them are focused on that thing? So you can break it down. You might say, okay, out of 500,000, there might be 10,000 that have made a, that have got the situational awareness to observe what was that thing. Now, out of that 10,000, like, how are you going to capture the 100 people? Like, that, that's the breakdown that you can do it. And I can do that, but I think that people are kind of kidding themselves at times if they say, you know, where, like, they throw numbers around that are not real and then they miscalculate uh, the unknown, I guess, if I say that the best way. And what I mean specifically about that is someone says, okay, this shirt cost me $10 to make. Okay, but what they kind of forget is adding on the return that might come from that, adding on the other things. So it's better for us to go over than under. So I want to say if it costs $10, it costs us $15 for it, okay? So that way we're, we're in a realistic target of what actually this is on the ground there because you have damaged products that will come out. You will have staff wages that they may miss on that part there. There's other things that are involved to this. So 
it, at the end of the day, it's like it's still bottom line is the money that's in and the money that's out with it and then getting the most out of everybody involved. If I say billboards, I don't know because it's not necessarily, I can't grasp what the return is. If I spend money on Facebook, Facebook says, okay, you know, last month you spent a million dollars on Facebook ads. This was your return on ad spend. So for every dollar spent, this is what you got back. So we might spend, you know, we might spend a million dollars. Like we spend a lot of money on Facebook, a lot of money on that. But the way that we do it is, you know, I can see, okay, our ROAS is sitting at eight. Okay, so for every dollar spent. Return on advertising spend. Yeah, but a billboard, I can't tell that. We don't know. So your, your ROAS on Facebook ads is for every dollar you spend, you get eight back? Give or take, yeah. So we'd probably sit around $6 for it, yeah. It's pretty handy. Yeah, it's not too bad. <laughs> but you, if you, you know, you should do the figures if you spend $100,000 in the day. Yeah. Where that would give you. So Is that what you're spending? Oh, we have, yeah. It's all relative wow. though. Like remember, yeah, March, is, March is an off month. It's, it's an off season. It's transitioning from one climate to another. So you, you look at it relatively, like come October, November, December, January, like those four months there really equate for the rest of the year in sales per se, specifically in Australia. When we, when we sell over the US, then we obviously it switches around, but that's when you ramp up a lot of spending. Our two sales that we do throughout the year is the June, July into financial year sales and then Boxing Day. What part of running Ringers Western do you love the most and what part frustrates you the most? Well, I love the relationships we get built along the way. You know, I love the, the designing the products and coming up with those, working with the design team. Obviously, we've got a very large design team now as we go through that. To say what frustrates me the most, uh, I wouldn't, you know, I don't, I'm not someone who has that type of thing in, inside them, I guess, because you're there, you're doing the job. You know, the things that have got to be done have got to be done. Um, so I've never been one in life to kind of get frustrated at something. Mm-hmm. It's just that is what it is and we've got to manage it. Do people get frustrated with me sometimes? I have no doubt because uh, because <laughs> probably like, you know, we have an operations manager, we have a lot of people that are very, that, that may be quite corporate or structured in the way they want to do things with it and it's probably hard to try and get inside my way of thinking with the, with the way they're doing that, the way, you know, we've got to execute certain things out. But, you know, I'm really clear, like, we're doing something that works with it. I'm surprised you would pl- employ people who weren't on brand, and I'm using air quotes as I say that, but I'm surprised that you would employ someone, for example, from a from a corporate background because it sounds like the Ringers Western environment is anything but that, and it would only just frustrate them and you. Oh, no, because ultimately people want to people want to work in an environment which is fluid, I think. What do you mean by fluid? So if you go into, say, I don't know, you might go into ANZ Bank or KPMG and there's no noise, everyone's sitting at their desk, they might be productive, they're just looking yeah. at numbers and figures all day, that's great, they're loving it. But is it an environment where that guy rocks up to work and he's like, yeah, this is the best job ever? I don't, I don't know. But we want to make it so that's what people feel here with it. So they, it, it gives them a sense that even though they're there to do a job, we're, we're still trying to create an organisation that's a family, that's, that's sticking together, do you know? And I think, like, if we can do more events that we're doing together, it, it creates, like, you know, Tim, better morale gives a better outcome. You walk into a sports club and you see the, their back of house, if everyone's miserable in there, that team will not do well. 
Yeah, of course. It won't do well. You go to an army, if they have bad morale, it eats away at people. It eats away at their health as well. It's like so many factors. So we focus on things like that and then we're always out there developing new product or new things. So always trying to be at the forefront of, you know, what is happening in the world, like what, what is there that we can do? What's also unique? Like it could be limited edition work shirts and have flamingos on them that just sold through the roof or sunflowers and so things like that. I had the blokes from Trademutt on last year and I think they are doing limited edition work shirts with flamingos or something on them. You seen those? Yeah, I have. And they, they do a great job, those guys, for a good cause as well. They do a great job and, and helping mental health along the way. Mate, I think it's a fantastic story. I leave this interview slightly perplexed in a very good way because you've, you've, you have presented a way of running a business that is different. And I, I thought we were going to have a conversation around how to run a business on a shoestring, but it's bigger than that and I thank you for it. And maybe one day you should write a book, as has the founder of Patagonia, whose name escapes me at the moment, but he wrote a book called uh, Let My People Surf and his whole philosophy is basically around a happy workplace and trying to stop people from buying his product because he is a staunch environmentalist. You, you know, you don't need another T-shirt, but um, I know that's not your philosophy, but I reckon, mate, there is a book to be written and maybe we've just created the first chapter. You can go and get this interview transcribed and then hand it to some poor ghostwriter to try it. <laughs> no, no, exactly, mate. Like, I I appreciate that. And again, it's... Um, I think the way that I probably communicate it might be a little bit different and not, you know, not necessarily structured per se with it. But oh, do you, do you think so? Hey, this is the set. Listen to this. That's the sound of me ripping up my questions to you. <laughs> I can imagine. It's awesome. You're not the first person, you're not the first person to say that. But <laughs> look, if you don't know what I'm going to do, I can probably win because we're not going to follow the same pathway. Let, let people come up with Mission Command to run and have ideas and create, you know. Like, and you do that, it'll be all right. Ringerswestern.com is where you'll find Andrew's business, where you can buy some clothes for when you're next on the cattle station. And, mate, it's been awesome chatting and, and thank you for sharing a new way of running business. No, I appreciate that, Tim. Thank you very much for your time as well. Well, there you go, team. Ringer's Western founder, Andrew McDonald. What a positive fellow. Here's what grabbed my attention from that chat with him. Attention grabber number one. I just loved his positive attitude toward growing and running a business. As he so rightly said, we can overcomplicate life and business. He certainly doesn't. I'd really be interested to know whether you thought he was just totally naive or whether he's actually onto something and more of us should subscribe to that way of running a business. You can give us a buzz on 0480015150. I'd love to hear from you. Attention grabber number two. I loved Andrew's story about buying drinks for the group that were wearing the Ringers Western brand at that event that Andrew also attended. You know, it's those little one percenters that can make all the difference to how your business is perceived by others. So what little extra mile can you go to make your customers go, wow. And attention grabber number three... I love the fact that he had a $500 website for the first three years of the business. Now, you know, that just seems 
totally extreme. It's clearly worked for him. I think the point is, though, that sometimes you just don't need to spend the kind of money that you maybe are in order to get the result you're looking for. I hear it a lot, you know, people spending hand over fist on search engine optimization or videos or websites or graphic design. And there are so many smart ways of actually doing it without busting the bank. If you'd like to know some of those ways, you'll probably find them in the Small Business Big Marketing Tribe, which is our free Facebook group. And there's lots of business owners, over a thousand business owners talking about solutions just like that, how to spend not as much money. That's what grabbed my attention. I'd love you to hit pause and tell me by calling the Small Business Big Marketing Hotline what grabbed your attention on plus six one, that's for our overseas friends, four eight zero zero one five one five zero. Just like listener Adam did. Hey Timbo, it's Adam Matthews here calling from Anvis Confectionery here in Tasmania. Just discovered your podcast over the last two weeks. Really enjoying the content and uh, how you deliver those and and uh, loving the, hearing the guests that you have on there and interviewing those. Recently listened to uh, your cheese therapy one and uh, loved listening to the story of uh, Sam and Helen. In actual fact, I've connected with those guys to see if we can make our chocolate part of their offering and as we speak, delivering some samples to Helen and Sam to do some chocolate tasting. So I uh, look forward to what that may bring in the near future. But So uh, thanks, Timbo. I love your work and um, I'll continue to listen and getting some great ideas to help me in my career um, in sales and marketing and um, some of your marketing and, and business uh, tips that come from yourself and also from some of the wonderful guests that you bring onto your show. So uh, have a great day and, um, yeah, look forward to maybe hearing from you in the near future. Thanks, Timbo. Hey, thanks so much, Adam, for listening to the show and going to the trouble of picking up the phone and leaving a message for us all to hear. And I also love the fact that this show is listened to not just by business owners, but by marketing managers. There's journalists out there. There's people trying to build side hustles out there. I know you're all listening and full encouragement to you. Keep on doing what you're doing. I'm sure at some point you are going to crack the code. Next episode, get ready to be inspired as we meet business founder Perry Cross, who despite being an aspirated quadriplegic, has founded Accessible Homes Australia, is in high demand as a keynote speaker, and is on a mission to cure spinal paralysis through his very own foundation. If you're having a rough day, seriously, just listen to next week's episode when it's out, and again and again and again if you need to. Bookmark it. It'll be episode 549. Hey, be sure to grab a copy of my book, The Boomerang Effect, over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. I'd love to hear what marketing is working for you, so give the hotline a buzz. I promise I won't answer it. You can just leave a message, 0480. 0015150. If you're loving the Small Business Big Marketing Podcast, you'll find 547 more episodes on the Listener app. That's L-I-S-T-N-R. And as has been the case for the past 12 years, this podcast has been presented by me, Timbo Reed, and of recent times cobbled together by my producer, Big Dave Zlowenski. Until next time, thank you so much for tuning in. May your marketing be the absolute best marketing. Bye for now.